asked which one of us is the Conan and which one of us is the Andy, and we both had opposite feelings about it. And we're going to have to suss that out someday. But not today. Yeah, because today, baby, Kyle's in charge. Today, Kyle is running the episode. Do you know why? Why is that, Kyle? Because it's free comic book day. And the gods themselves, the gods of the comic book table, have decreed that we, on free comic book day, we're going to watch the most comic book-centric episode of The Big Bang Theory I have ever seen. And it was glorious. Speaking of, you said the words Big Bang Theory, which reminds everyone that we're actually talking about a show in our show that's called The Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm Nick. We watch this show. Uh, we try to figure out why people watch it. Sometimes it's great. Most of the times it's not. But I think we've both developed a weird fondness for it in the base of our hearts. Or at least I have. I don't know. Yeah. That's it. I was in a hotel room the other night uh, traveling for work, and uh, the TV guide said Seinfeld was supposed to be on. It was a trick. It was a long block of Big Bang Theory. And I, I could not, both for professional reasons, I can't watch ahead, I need to experience it fresh, and because I shouldn't have to watch this show unless there's some value that the world is getting out of it. You know what, I think we should add a new segment right now, or maybe it's an old segment, but okay. I can't remember if we've done this before, but let's just jump, favorite line of the episode, that's going to be... Well, you're saying this because you had a favorite line this episode. You had a favorite line too, and I know because you, you. Well, I can. There might have been two, but I can. I can only remember you laughing at one of them. All right, I think the probably the one about falconry is the only one that's jumping out to me right now. Yes. But before we move on, we should play the game that we always forget we play because we don't play it nearly as often as we should. Which is, how frustrated are we by the name of the episode? So today we watched season two. Well, you specifically said this one better be called. Do you remember what you thought it should be called? The Wallowitz Coefficient. Yes. Uh, and so today, season two, episode 20, it is in fact the Hofstadter Isotope. No, so, that can't be right. Did we do a goof? No, we did not. That's that's the name. Okay. What? There's no reason. There, what? In, in the episode, like Hofstadter. <laughs> that's that, lettered. He's, he, yeah, he's in here. He doesn't do... He's in I the episode. I can't figure out why that's the name of this episode. I don't know. Like... You know, I'm a lazy person, and so sometimes when I name files, like whether they be audio or written or whatever it is, I'll just pick random words. And I think that's really the best case here, because um, I don't... It makes no sense. Out loud, they say something that would absolutely... Wallowitz talks about the Wallowitz coefficient. It's the, Half the episode is about his plan for them to pick up ladies in bars. It all works out fine, and this shows... <laughs> I was going to say, this episode wasn't bad. I'm just, this is a different frustration. It's not like an ah frustration. It's like a, huh. Like, this is really where we did this. Uh. Anyway, um, you know, do you want to do the short summary since you're so hyped up about this? Yeah, why not? All right, give it a crack. Sir. So the whole thing starts with the main characters deciding that they're stuck in a rut because uh, basically they always follow the same very strict routine. So they decide they're going to break out of it because it's anything can happen Thursday. So Sheldon, so Sheldon convinces them that, well, first they're going to go to a bar, but then they're like, well, we can't really do that. We're not that crazy so sheldon's like well we got to go to the comic book shop on a day that's not our normal comic book day so they all go and penny ends up riding along and so this is the i think the first actual like time we've seen them inside a comic book shop i think that's true um which has been mentioned several times before and and we meet the owner of the comic book shop whose name i have already forgotten i think it was Stuart. that was right Stuart. and Stuart, while 
not being any different from any of the main characters in most things, does manage to be just charming enough to ask Penny out on a date, and she agrees to go on a date with him. This drives Leonard understandably somewhat insane. Um, so while they're out on their date on the Friday night, they decide that they will, in fact, go to a bar. So the rest of the episode is split between... No, it's actually not split between... It's Then Penny comes back from her date with Stuart... And she actually likes him well enough that they almost make out, but then Stuart lets him makes a classic nerd mistake. He gets distracted talking to another nerd about comic books instead of making out with a hot. There's going to be a Nick Heights personal story about this one. <laughs> so anyway, so while that's going on, they stay late into the night until Penny has long since fallen asleep debating the intricacies of the Batman mythos. And in the meantime, Leonard and. Uh, Wallow, it's just proceed to get shot down over and over again in a bar. Um, but Raj goes home with a. How shall we describe this lady in a fat. way? <laughs> okay. Raj goes home with a fat lady. Who's... Yes. Which is fine, but that's. Yeah, she is. Um, and it, it's weird. Like, well, just working backwards, the. So the, the thing that's kind of frustrating about the very last joke is that. Yeah, they, they spend, uh, Wallowitz, Raj, and Leonard spend this whole night in the bar. Uh, and first of all, hey, <laughs> toxic masculinity alert here. Uh, Wallowitz is not having it when Raj wants to order any of his kind of, like, frilly drinks. Where, um, did I, yeah, I said Raj. And where Raj himself is, like, comfortable enough to get whatever the hell he wants. Like, Raj is generally a dickbag, but in this in this case, like, he's just, he wants his grasshopper, he wants his martini or whatever. Like, leave him be, Wallowitz. Um, but anyway, so as he gets drunk, uh, the other two are sussing out who they want. And they're, they're going for the least conventionally attractive ones, among whom is uh, a, a larger woman that you never see on screen until the end when she is uh, over there making out with Raj. And then... Here's where it gets complicated, because on the one hand, it's made a joke, because that is, like, the one person that none of them would have wanted to make out with, because she's fat. Hardy har har. But he actually does go home with her, and the stinger of the episode is him initially being a little freaked out, but then, like, falling into the comfort of it. And I can't tell if just, that's positive just or deciding if it's just... he's going to rest in her plentiful arms. And... Yeah, and, and so I can't tell if the joke there is hey, that's okay and cool, or if they're getting it two ways by saying not only is it funny that he went home with a fat lady, it's also funny that he came okay with it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's definitely look at, the, look at the funny foreign loser who isn't even ashamed enough of having slept with a fat woman yeah. to bolt. So, gross episode. It also contains um, the fucking... I hate when they do this, but I don't know when this became a thing, but it's also, they also use this language in the 40-year-old virgin, which is the the African safari uh, fucking uh, metaphor for hooking up with women, which is we just gotta, gotta let the lawyers and the jocks thin the herd, and then we'll pick off the weak and the lame afterwards. Yes, I think that's almost the exact wording, if not the exact. It's gross. And not to mention, um, Wallowitz, too, is... You know, using his typical date rapey lingo where he's like, you know, we just hang out until all these women get a 1.5 alcohol content. And then we're, I mean, well, at blood alcohol content and then we're good to go. Yeah, I actually preferred it more at the beat. So just to jump around. So I hated the way it was treated as a joke. This is one of my pet peeves about this show, although I don't because, of course, it's going to do this. So I don't know why I still let it get to me. But there's a there's a. An interesting moment where Wallowitz is like, hey, have you heard of the Drake equation? And Sheldon is like, you mean 
this thing, this mathematical formula explains the likelihood that there's intelligent life in the universe that's not us, only he actually breaks down, like, the whole math behind it mm-hmm. and just and says it really fast. spits out the actual formula at the end of it. Yeah, and that was awesome, except for the fucking laugh track. Like, somehow that was a joke. Yeah, well, that's one of the things where it's like, hey, look, somebody knows something. Somebody knows something. I don't know. That's ridiculous. But at the end of it, uh, Sheldon's very, very smugly satisfied face. I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm very good well, with no, that. Well, no, that was my... So, Wallowitz explains, and this I thought was fine, that he's actually done the math on the likelihood that there are women in Los Angeles who will sleep with him. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's still him being a jerk, but it's just like, he's like, no, I, I, I broke down the statistics. I used a series of differential equations. I think I know exactly how many women, you know, within 40 miles of us there are who might sleep with us. And to which came my favorite... Uh, non-comic related line in the episode which is like are you being serious about this and he's like I'm an engineer I'm a horny engineer I never joke about math or sex that, that was okay I you loved that way more than I did but I will acknowledge it's a pretty good line um, something that just came to mind I would for wear me, that on a t-shirt well maybe someone's gonna get that t-shirt from somebody who cares about him not me I love you I might get you a t-shirt like that we'll see um I realized just a few moments ago that this episode regarding Penny's involvement is almost the either the natural progression of the last episode or the exact opposite. Because last episode we saw the the dead hooker juxtaposition, which after we recorded the uh, episode, Kyle mentioned that we never meant uh, explained why the episode is called the dead hooker juxtaposition. And I'm not sure we ever should. Well, I'm not going to. No, just wanted <laughs> okay. to, just wanted to raise uh, the, raise the fact up again. Um, but anyway, so. She calls out this other woman for being super materialistic and taking advantage of these nerds, you know, getting all of their help just for basically flirting with them. And how the show really never confronts the fact that Penny does that. Instead, she just threatens physical violence whenever it comes up, which is pretty cool. But in this one, she ends up going on the date with the nerdy comic book guy because she's like genuinely interested in him for being charming. And that's when the other nerds are upset about it. That's where, like, Leonard's like, oh, my God, she likes this guy for who he is. How does it work? Oh. Yes, I believe because he did, he used the magic secret technique of actually asking for her phone number. Yeah, yeah. And, well, and talking I mean, to also, her without being a total fucking creep about yeah, he it. Yeah, he made some fairly funny jokes, and he drew her picture real nice. Which, that part, I think, is a little spooky. Like, she's just wandering around the comic book shop, and he's like, yes, I'm adding you to my collection. Your face will be in the, the three other women that have come in here in the last year but also um super realistic portrayal of a comic book shop which is oh yeah a bunch of weird beards just kind of trolling around and as soon as a woman walks in everyone's like what i don't think that was a super i'm pretty sure that was a real comic book shop that they must have just shot yeah this is filmed on location in this is the first reality based episode because here's i'm gonna well so surprise kyle's a comic book nerd I literally looked at the comics that were on the stands and the window displays, and I said, oh, this is 2009. And I was right! Yes, he, he was right on the money, because he was, what they were talking about, 52 and the... Yeah, this that. was a few years after, this was like three years after the uh, Infinite Crisis reboot and the new 52. Yeah, all Or the, not the new 52, the original 52 before the new 52. Yeah, it was really hard for me to not say the new 52, and I was like, is the 52 just a thing? Because like... I, I used to work at a comic book shop, but I was very surface. What? Level. How did you did you not know this? You no. How have you never told me you used to work at a comic book shop? I don't know. I th- I thought it would come up uh, just like naturally. Yeah, that's when I when I before I went to law school, I was working in a comic book shop, and I was like, 
You know, in my, in my mid-20s, I should probably be doing more than just working part-time in a comic book shop. And so I went to law school. And now here I am before you, the sterling success that you see today. But yeah, um, I don't know, just for like a little over a year. Uh, but when I was hired, it was great because I, I explained that like, you know, I do like comic books, but I'm not huge into them. Like, I couldn't tell you a whole lot about all these different superhero comics other than like the basics. And my boss is like, you know, that's actually good because the last thing we need is like an obsessed mouth breather here who just can't get along with people because he's too invested. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And then uh, it worked out, except I then I had to suffer through it when I think Deadpool Mania was at its peak. And I did well. That was well before the movies came out. It was it was on the rise still, I guess. Yes. And I'd have to just deal with people coming in like, why don't you know about this specific Deadpool thing, or yeah. this specific Deadpool thing? Cable and Deadpool was very very popular probably when you were twenty two years old. I think that was like it was a little bit after that, but but yeah, it was still he was still the guy. Yes. And it was awful. Like I think part of the reason I'm not crazy about Deadpool now is just the experience of dealing with the other nerds who were so all over it when I was there. Ugh. I'm a nerd that hates other nerds. That's fine. Me too, actually. And that's a weird, uncomfortable thing for me. So that's one half of the episode is them getting drunk. But anyway, Stuart, they, they go on their date. You don't actually see it, but apparently it goes well. Um, yeah, Penny's ready to fuck. She's, they get there, and she's like, hey, do you want to come in for some coffee? And uh, Stuart's like, oh, it's a little late for coffee. Um, but yeah, it's she's... She's good to go. Well, she actually says, oh, you actually think coffee means coffee. That's so sweet. That is very cute. Um, hey, guess what? It's time for one of Nick Hyde's over sharing personal life stories. Okay, but can I set this up just because I assume this is coming out of... So they're literally right about to go into her apartment when Sheldon walks out of uh, the apartment where he, of course, did not go to the bar. And he's like, oh, Stuart, thank God. I've been having an internet debate about who should replace Bruce Wayne as Batman in the event of it. Well, at the time he had died, but you know, which of the Robins should be the next Batman. And you know, it just goes from there. Okay. Let's put off the story because I think this was maybe about the time that I looked over and you were suddenly shirtless. I don't know what you're talking about. Kyle, we can't not move. We have to, we can't just move past this. I got a little excited. Okay. It was Kyle, two, what got you so excited? It was two nerds talking about whether, you are whether uncom- Jason Todd or Dick Grayson is a better successor to the Batman legacy. One of the fundamental questions of the 21st century that we have yet to address in so, a satisfactory manner. It's so what part of it made you so horny that you had to tear your own All shirt? of it! Because you want... Kyle, I don't want to put you on blast here, but when we speak about things that are... Uh, highly sexual in nature. You're the one who's always like, oh boy, we're getting back into this. This isn't where we ought to go. But then someone who is so uptight about that, like I've I've never just started taking clothes off when we've hung out. This was unexpected. It was, it was unprecedented. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. It was a very good conversation about about who should play Batman, who should take over for Batman. You know, Jason Todd, really, I think the number one thing about him that people underestimate is how much of a natural leader he is over the other Robins. See, Dick Grayson is obviously the more talented of the Robins. He's probably the most talented Robin, although, of course, um, Tim Drake is the smartest of them. Um, And Damien is sort of the natural successor, but he's basically a Bruce clone at this point. But the thing about Jason Todd is... He was the only Robin to ever challenge Batman's authority, and I think that's important because I think that being willing to challenge Batman 
who well, is of course Batman, stand up to Batman is like one of the only possible tests if I recall, for being Batman. If I recall correctly, and that correctly, was what Stuart was saying, and that was why I was so amped. It was truth. Didn't the Joker beat him to death with a wrench? Yeah, but he came back to life. That's what disagreeing with Batman gets you. It was a learning experience. I guess. And then well, and then he comes back as, like, the Red Hood, doesn't he? Yeah, he was pretty good as the Red Hood. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say he wasn't good as the Red Hood, but as far as, like, people who are should be like Batman go, that seems pretty un-Batman. No, but that's my exact point, is for Batman, like, all the other characters are just trying to do what Bruce has done, you know, like, it's perfect. I think Jason Todd is the one character who could actually do something new. What about Damien? Damien doesn't want to be like Batman. Damien absolutely wants to be like Batman. He wants to murder people with knives I'm, all the time. If we keep, if this, okay, we can keep having this conversation, but I'm gonna have to take my shirt off again if it keeps going. Really? Yes. All right. Well, uh, we'll save that for now. But yeah, you took your shirt, and I just, I was trying so hard to not talk about it because I'm like, this needs to be explained to the world. But anyway, so yeah, lady ready, ready to make out, whatever. Nick Hyde's oversharing personal life story is. Um, I, I once met a lady who was going to be, uh, she she was interviewing about a roommate situation, and she's like, I don't really want to be a roommate, this house kind of sucks, and she was right, but she's like, hey, we should totally hang out sometime, um, and then we, we'd see each other around every now and then, and then one night at like two in the morning, she's like, hey, I was just thinking about you, we should like go get dinner sometime or something. Um, do you want to go and get that like special fancy hamburger you were talking about? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do that. No part in my brain registered that that was going to be a date because I'm a dullard. And instead, I was just like, man. This lady going for my friend with a ham for this a hamburger. Yeah, this lady loves hamburgers so goddamn much that she's texting me about two in the morning about them. And then we do go on the date. I don't know it's a date the whole time. It's great. We have a good time. And then we're walking home and my friend calls me. And she's like, hey, you know that copy of Professor Layton that you wanted? We just got it in at Hastings. I was... <laughs> I ordered it for you and it's ready. And I was like, hey, lady, this has been fun. I got to go pick up a child's video game. See you again. Never. Oh. So how long after? So did you figure it out or were you telling the story to someone else and they were like, that was a date? Uh, I think it's the latter. Yeah. Someone pointed. And then someone else was like, oh, you went on a friend of the date with mine. But she said you didn't know it was a date and it ended weird. And I was like, <laughs> and this has been. Nick's oversharing life stories. <laughs> I'm wondering if we were going to get out of it this time. Kyle almost forgets to do the bit where he sings about I, Nick's I oversharing life stories. Times. And he's so excited about comic books. But really the question is, Dick Grayson or Jason Todd? Dick Grayson or Jason Todd should be Batman. I think it's Jason Todd. But there's some arguments for Dick Grayson as well. But I'm bump. Yeah, I feel like if you came in and I was working at the comic book shop, our relationship would be very different. It would be. I was a very respectful. I mean, I just float. I was one. I think I don't know what the technical term is, but I was one of those guys who just floats. I wouldn't even touch the comics because I knew about like I didn't want to get my you know my essential oils and deep your greasy mitts. Comic books. Uh, but you know what? Actually, everyone that bought comic books was fine. Uh, but I do have to say, magic players are the scum of the earth. I don't care who knows it. You're trash. I don't want you on they this planet. They smell weird, and no one talks about it. Warhammer people smell weird. I had to hose down the uh, comic book shop with Febreze once because so many people were complaining about bad nerd smell. 
But wouldn't you know it, of course, because we're full of nerds, someone is allergic to Febreze and then, like runs out gasping. And I'm just like, what is happening? I just tried I just tried to address a stink. I didn't try to kill nobody. I just didn't want there to be a stink. Now there's a stink about the stink. Ah, but it also sucks because they were the nicest. It's like paper, rock, scissors. <laughs> like you can't... Everyone has a strength and a weakness. Like the Magic players, they're just off fucking leaving me alone playing their stupid game that I never bothered to learn or understand. Actually, the people who came in and bought a bunch of cards and went home and played, they are always fine. The people that were tournament ready, monsters. 35-year-old men arguing with 12-year-olds and losing their minds because they lost. It's the worst. And then the comic book guys, they're fine. They're like, hey, you know, what's up? I I like comic books, and I'm never going to stop talking to you about it, no matter how disinterested you are, because you're the comic book shop guy, and you know everything about comic books. And then lastly are the Warhammer players, who are absolute angels and smell the worst. Ugh. I miss it. I shouldn't have gone to law school. I could be, like, assistant manager by now. (laughs) We're not talking about the show again. I mean, it's fine, but... We have to. We have to at least have it grounded in the show. But I do want to just say one. Like it was actually this was like the first time I think in a while where I've been like, oh no, the the people, the conversations they are having on this show feel like real comic book conversations. I mean, in the in the incredibly over obsessed, like hyper hyper canonical yeah, debate. Was sort of dealing way with that, it on the forums, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and just like the references they were throwing up, like you know, at one point Stuart says to Sheldon, "You are obviously still trapped in a pre-zero hour understanding of DC continuity," and that's a like that's, that's not solid a good, that, dig. That's a meaningless line to to ninety percent of the people I'm sure watching this show. But I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. Got him good. Well, with that, um, we'll start wrapping up. Here's the normal plug we always do. We're a show. Share it with people, please. There. Rate us on iTunes. Seriously, rate us on iTunes. I think that's the most helpful thing for something. I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. I'm just trying my best here. I'm just trying my fucking best. Just give me... Show me a bit of grace. Okay. Thank you. Let's talk about our happy nerd thing for the week. Do you got one loaded and ready to go? Jesus Christ, Kyle. I do not. Kyle's just shaking his head, and I don't... I. Hey, all right, here's a game that I like a lot that I've been playing a whole bunch of, um, and I'll try to kill as much time with it as I can so you can get ready. It's a little game called Stardew Valley. <laughs> I can't stop playing Stardew Valley. I wish I had a new nerd thing for it. I had so many summer melons ready to go. Now it's in the winter times, so and winters are hard. I keep upgrading my barns so I can get more cows and goats, but the problem is on the day you upgrade it, you actually it doesn't count as the day you feed them. It's so your animals are angry at you for getting them a better home. You did Stardew Valley last time. I know I did Stardew Valley last time. I'm doing Stardew Valley this time. I can't get enough Stardew Valley. Uh, It's come to this. I'm almost through the end of my first year in this game, and I've invested nearly 40 hours. The main game essentially is three years worth of farm life. I have up to 120 hours of farming in me. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm so fucking excited about the yield I'm going to get this season after I've invested so much in uh, rich, high-quality fertilizer, which I've made by going fishing and grinding those fish bodies together with sap that I have earned by chopping down trees in the woods. Because not only am I a farmer, I'm a goddamn master forager, Kyle. I remembered what my thing was. Okay, please say it. Please. I'm done. Stardew Valley still rules. Go play it. I'll do something new next time, maybe. So, strangely enough, of all of the things... Like, it was a big week for nerddom. Uh, Avengers Endgame oh, came out. Oh, was it ever. There was the Battle of Winterfell. We won't get into it, but... Uh, or my feelings... <laughs> I hear it was really dark. Yeah, it was fine on my People TV. tell me it's dark. It was fine on my television. Why was it so dark? 
So I don't I don't watch Thrones, whatever. Um But honestly, the show, the nerdy thing that I have been most into that I've been watching and enjoying the most is Cobra Kai season two, which has just been phenomenal. Well, and you were nuts about the first season, weren't you? The first season was really surprisingly good. The second season is even better, and it's just like I don't. It's like watch. It's like watching something that you're like that's not aerodynamic at all, and then it just sails along gracefully, and you're like, how is this even possible? How much leg sweeping is there? I mean, there's a considerable amount of leg sweeping and fighting. Okay, okay. It's a, I mean, it's it's so funny to be like, like watch a show where like all of the character beats are so like, um, well acted and well thought out, and like everybody's like doing a really good job of like living in like their like different emotional characters, but then it all comes back to this mythology of like, well, really, this all started because we lost a karate championship in 1982, and is, we, and things have never been the same. Is this series the Creed two of the Karate Kid universe, where the the disgraced father finally has to go to the Mexican desert to punch fires until he can earn back his dignity? No, I think it's actually it's a little bit of the opposite. So in this season, the big main tension is that his karate master, who's the evil, like you know, weird Vietnam vet from the original Karate Kid, which I forgot that was a character. I but, uh, didn't know that he was like a, a weird, angry Vietnam vet. I thought he's just an angry dude. No, that's, I mean a, that's a I fun remember, layer. I didn't remember that, but apparently, if you look at the original pictures, like he's like, you know, I learned karate. Well, I don't think he learned karate in Nam, but there's like he was like he was definitely like in the war. I, I do like how you can either you can either turn into a Rambo, in which case you end up hiding in the woods, killing a few officers of the Pacific Northwest because they tried to throw you out of town, or you can take charge of a martial arts studio for children and teens. <laughs> <laughs>